act like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero, and I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. Say what's up to the people. What is up, guys? Super hyped to be back. NFL season is right around the corner. We are less than 100 days from football. Get hyped. We've got some hot takes coming for you today. I am super stoked to get into it. Um, The names we're talking about today, Steph, big names, superstar players. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to get into it, guys. We have a great show lined up for you today. We'll be breaking down which offenses to invest in, which ones to avoid in 2020, and a ton more. We are out here, Alex and I are, going toe-to-toe, trying to one-up each other with the hottest fantasy takes in the game. I know you guys are out there doing the same. I see you every day hitting us up on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let's keep it going. Alex and I are online with you guys every day as well. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. That is huge for our confidence. And one thing I want to say before we get into today's show is, is we want to show our support for the most important thing in America right now. Black Lives Matter. And I hope everything that goes on right now leads to some major changes and justice gets served. If you'd like to support the cause outside of attending protests in your city and reaching out to local politicians, we will include links in the description where you can donate to organizations that are fighting for the changes that we want to see. Now, Alex, anything to add here? Yes, yeah, Steph, I just second everything everything you just said. We, we really want to see this change happen, and it takes everyone doing their part for that to be the case. So... You know, right now we're listening, we're learning, we're trying to to do what we can to help support um, the situation we're giving to these links below. Steph and I will both be making um, a personal donation to these organizations. And also, if, if you don't know a lot about the issues going on and you want to learn more, Emmanuel Acho, former NFL linebacker, actually put together a very nice video. Um, he just described what you can do to help, um, what some of the problems are and where they've stemmed from and where they're going. Um, and how we can really see that change start to happen. So we're going to link that video in the description as well. It was very well thought out. Uh, Emmanuel Acho did a very good job describing some of the things that are happening right now. So be sure to check that out if you have not already. Without further ado, Alex, I think we're ready to jump into it here. The first segment that we're going to go through consists of offenses to invest in in 2020, whether this means there's going to be a lot of fantasy value to go around, teams that, you know, regardless, maybe if you're taking some sleepers, early rounds, late rounds, you need to say, hey, maybe it's a tiebreaker. Maybe I'm looking at a couple different teams here and I see a player on a certain offense. Maybe I'll lean that way as opposed to a different way. And Alex, the first one I have on here, I'm extremely excited for this team in 2020. It might be a gross one to some people, but is the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy is now in town. Fantasy upgrade, as far as I'm concerned, to Jason Garrett. I think everyone expects them to be a uh, edge playoff team this year. I don't think they'll get it, but they'll be (laughs) close again. You can't mention that Cowboys offense without Ezekiel Elliott. When he was hired, here's a direct quote from Mike McCarthy. He said, with Zeke, he's going to get the football. Let's make make no mistake about that. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) In all four seasons of Zeke's career, he has either passed or was on pace for 300 touches. In the year he missed six games for that NFL conduct policy situation, he was on pace for 387 carries. So over the last seven years in the NFL, there's only five guys at most every season who get over 300 rushing attempts. That is far and away what you want when you're looking at a fantasy running back. He's as stable as they come. So with all that volume, what's crazy is that 
Zeke averages 4.6 yards per carry. You can expect over 1,300 rushing yards plus passing work. And he averages double-digit touchdowns every season. And this is crazy to me. He's still 24 years old. So well in his prime, Zeke is. He continues to be a top five running back in fantasy and in the NFL in general. So that's what we got starting off in this Cowboys offense. And in the first round, I want to talk a little bit about this receiving core now because it's been upgraded with C.D. Lamb. To me, he's an upgrade over Randall Cobb. And I think he'll be used in three wide receiver sets pretty often in Dallas. I think he get close to 90 targets in this offense. And we'll be the guy to own if, if Cooper or Gallup miss time. McCarthy was in the top half of the league in pass attempts in almost every year in Green Bay with six seasons where he was in the top 10. Lamb was the top wide receiver prospect for a lot of people, myself included, uh, coming into to this draft. And I absolutely love him in Dynasty. I, I think we could see him pass Gallup by the end of the season, though I do like Gallup as well. But this offense, man, it has plenty to go around. That was one of the biggest concerns that we had when the Cowboys took CD. Alex, are you in the same boat with me on Lamb? Man, CD Lamb is getting the double move stamp of approval today. Yes. We're actually going to talk about CD Lamb a little later in the show. Um, we're talking about some rookie of the year candidates, some sleeper candidates. Oh. Don't want to give away too much, but CD Lamb's name may or may not come up. Um, but you're right, Steph. This is really the perfect storm in Dallas. You have an incredible running game. I mean, the Dallas offensive line um, has, there's been some turnover over the past couple of years, but it's been known to be one of the um, the top offensive lines in football. There's a lot of continuity with that offense. The Cowboys were actually fifth in the NFL in rushing yards last season. Um, every year we think about Zeke Elliott just getting up from a first down run and gobbling up his bowl of soup. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they're going to feed Zeke. The defense is going to be weak this year. They lost Byron Jones. They lost Robert Quinn. They lost a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball. And they didn't really do a lot to address it. And it wasn't necessarily a great defense last year. So when I look at this team... I think about the Buccaneers last year. They have weapons on offense, a quarterback that's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. I think Dak Prescott will do enough of that in 2020 in a really weak defense to where they're going to be needing to put up a lot of points each and every week. I love all the pieces in this offense. I think Dak is a top five quarterback this year. Zeke wow. is, is ob obviously a top five running back. And the three receivers, I think Amari Cooper is a wide receiver one. Gallup and CeeDee Lamb are both going to be great flex options. And if one of these guys goes down – if Cooper, Gallup, or CeeDee Lamb goes down and misses any amount of time, I think the value for the other two is just going to be through the roof. And then you even look at Blake Jarwin. He's an upgrade, um, at least for uh, you know a dynamic playmaking perspective from Jason Witten last season. So this is going to be a fun offense. I'm, I hate to say this stuff, but I'm actually excited to watch this Dallas Cowboys offense play in 2020. <laughs> no, I, I am too. And and really like the, you, know, you mentioned the defense there. I mean, Byron Jones left to become the highest paid, uh, you know, cornerback in the league in Miami. They didn't spend that first round pick on a defensive back like a lot of people wanted them <laughs> to. They went and got CeeDee Lamb. And I think there's so much volume to go around. Dak is coming off his best passing year statistically. They have a coach that likes to throw the ball. And then you have Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. Since he's come in, the Cowboys have been third in pace of play. And, I mean, look at the volume last year. Amari Cooper, 118 targets. Gallup, 113 targets. So both well over 100 for those two. Then you had Cobb and Witten, both over 80 targets. And I love throwing this stat out there. All three Cowboys wide receivers were top 31 in fantasy points during the 13 full weeks they played together. So when all these guys are healthy and on the field, even in that case, they're all going to be great. There's plenty to go around. 
We got a, a top 12 quarterback, a top 12 running back, a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, a wide receiver three. <laughs> and then even a, guy, even a guy that I think could be worth a bench stash and dynasty hold in Tony Pollard, who's looked great. You mentioned Blake Jarwin being an upgrade over a future Hall of Famer, Jason Witten. Alex, I, I'm pretty excited for this Cowboys offense. Jerry World is going to be <laughs> large and in charge next season. I'll tell you that much for sure. I don't know if it's going to mean 10 wins, but it's going to be fun for fantasy. All right, so let's go ahead and get to my first um, pick for an offense that I want to invest in for 2020. It is the Arizona Cardinals. And this offense, I think coming into last year, we expected a lot from Cliff Kingsbury. There's all those you know, talks about the air raid offense and Kyler Murray, the gunslinger quarterback. And there were a lot of games last season where this offense really struggled. I mean, I owned Kyler Murray in fantasy last year, and I remember there were a couple games where it was halftime and he had like, half a fantasy point or like one fantasy point he ended up with like 20 25 but definitely gave me um you know a lot of uneasiness my heart rate was through the roof during those games but when you look at what they did last season they were actually a pretty solid offense i mean they were um 17th in points per game so just outside of the top half and you look at what they were able to do they were able to get the ball down the field into the red zone quite frequently but they were actually 29th in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage. Only 45% of their trips to the red zone resulted in touchdowns. And as that Kyler Murray owner in fantasy last year, it was so frustrating watching them kick so many field goals because Kyler Murray um, was towards the top in passing attempts, but he only threw uh, 20 passing touchdowns. So um, I really think if he not only maintains his passing attempts at 542, but if he even takes that a step further, I think there's a chance he gets close to 600 this year. Um, if his touchdown rate improves as well, there's no reason Kyler Murray's not throwing 30 touchdowns this season. And honestly, the most obvious thing in this offense is the fact that they just brought in DeAndre Hopkins, um, who, in my opinion, is a top two wide receiver in the NFL as far as talent goes. Ooh. So give Kingsbury a full offseason with Kyler Murray. Bring in a top wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You still have Christian Kirk there, who's a young emerging player. You still have Larry Fitzgerald, a future Hall of Famer, who just continues to produce each and every season um, as their wide receiver three, and he's going to be running in the slot. And so I think this Arizona Cardinals offense has three valid options at receiver. It has a great young quarterback, who I have as a top five guy in Kyler Murray. And then at the running back position, you've got Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake was acquired from Miami. He came into Arizona and absolutely eight during those final few games of the season. He scored a four touchdown game. Um, he was involved early and often. He had two really strong games against San Francisco, which was one of the top run defenses in the NFL. And he just came straight into that system without any offseason or anything. So give Kenyon Drake a full offseason with this offense, with Kingsbury, with Kyler Murray. I've got Drake as a top 10 running back for this season. Um, so this offense has pieces everywhere. If I've got Kyler Murray, I'm thrilled. I'm obviously thrilled with DeAndre Hopkins. Kenyon Drake's going to be a top running back. And then you still have good pieces in Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. And kind of like we mentioned earlier with the Dallas Cowboys, the defense is going to be weak. So this offense is going to need to score points. And we have to look at that for fantasy football because it's been incredibly relevant year in and year out. If you have a weak defense, your offense is going to be throwing the ball and they're going to be having to push the ball down the field. The Cardinals defense was 28th. Um, in scoring defense in 2019, they gave up 27.6 points per game. And they did pick up Isaiah Simmons in the draft, Devon Kennard in free agency. 
but I still think this is a bottom third defense in 2020. So this Cardinals offense is going to have to put up an incredible amount of yards, an incredible amount of points. And with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and some of those other pieces, I can't imagine this offense um, being contained in 2020. I'm with you 100%. I, I looked at their matchups, just looking at 2019's defenses. Kyler Murray has the best strength of schedule amongst quarterbacks in fantasy. Wow. Kenyon Drake uh, has a pretty soft uh, defensive matchup all across the season. He's seventh uh, out of out of all the teams in the NFL. So we're going t- kind of team by team here as well. Wide receivers have the easiest matchup in Arizona. One of the nicest strengths of schedule. Uh, and their tight end isn't bad either, but uh, I don't know if there's a ton of tight end value in Arizona. But I mean, you hey, look I at was going to say. I was going to say, remember the name Dan Arnold. I'm not saying that he's going to be someone that is, you know, startable every week. But I'm telling you right now, Dan Arnold will be in starting lineups at some point in 2020. You heard it here first. Someone will start Dan Arnold this year. Maybe in a, a eight-team team league, <laughs> we might see that, you know, eight flexes on that lineup, he gets in there. But no, I, I think it is a name to keep in our minds, especially if you're, you know, streaming the tight end position. I'm sure there's going to be some matchups in there where you can throw him in and, and he's going to get some garbage time or some some value. So I, I love all the matchups. Agree with everything you said. Arizona is going to be a very fun offense to watch and a fantasy, I mean, a fantasy overflow when it comes to the value there. Now, the next one I want to talk about, it's a little bit more of a sleeper type of offense. Maybe not for some people. Maybe this isn't a hot take at all, but it's the Atlanta Falcons. And I want to start off talking about the Falcons with Matt Ryan. He's always been a fantasy option. He's finished as a QB1 pretty much every year of his career. And honestly, he is a guy I'm looking at seriously in 2020 redraft. And I'll explain why here. In fantasy drafts, Matt Ryan is probably the best quarterback name to me on the board if you load up on all those other positions early in your draft. So look at some of the running back names here. By the time we hit Matt Ryan's ADP, we got Sony Michelle, Matt Breda, DeAndre Swift. At wide receiver, we have John Brown, Marvin Jones, Darius Slayton. Oh. I, I do like some of those names, especially yeah, as Slayton, you know, deep Jones. sleeper options. Yeah, I love Jones and Slayton. But look, if you're a guy that's like, I don't want to punt the quarterback position. I need something there. You may be in your league that you, know, you take a lot of quarterbacks. There's other guys in your league that you know grab two or three early on in the draft. Why not grab Matt Ryan just to get that safety at the quarterback position when you know the other names you're looking at there are pretty gross. I don't mind going tight end there either, uh, but it is a pretty big drop off. You're looking at Tyler Higby, Austin Hooper. Personally, like I'd rather wait and maybe get a Mike Isicki or a Noah fan at my tight end spot if I didn't grab like a top five tight end name. Hey, I'm um, big on Higby so, this year. I'm big on Higby this year, but Hooper, I agree with you. Hey, maybe maybe you lean that way a little bit. I have some concerns there. We'll have a whole episode where we can break down Higby, but I, I like Matt Ryan a lot this year in redraft, and the Falcons are going to pass a ton. They led the NFL with 684 pass attempts last year. That is an insane margin. The team that had the second <laughs> most pass attempts had 51 less than the Falcons did. Wow. They was finished it fifth. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Actually, no, it was Carolina, another divisional team. So, yeah, they finished fifth in passing attempts in 2019 as well. So, this is another one where there's tons of targets to go around. Julio Jones, what more can I say about him? He might be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. He was the wide receiver three last year. Before that, he was a wide receiver four. And he hasn't finished outside of the top seven since 2014. So I don't have anything else to say here about Julio Jones. 
Well, let's talk about Calvin Ridley, who had a mini breakout last year for a little bit. Uh, after Mohamed Sanu was traded in week seven, here's Rid- Ridley's average stat line. He had 14 targets a game, five and a half receptions a game, 82 yards a game, and a touchdown every other week. So we're looking at 17.7 fantasy points a week in PPR. You love you that value. 14 there. targets a game. You can okay, spot check talking. me here. But- <laughs> Well, look, I mean, I love Calvin Ridley this year in redraft. I, he's a major dynasty value as well. And I have a hot take on Ridley. I think he could finish as a wide receiver one this year. Wow. I, I easily think that's in the range of outcomes for him. Riddle me he's, that. Riddle, riddles you that. He was taken in the first round out of Alabama. He's 25 years old, six foot one, 190. He looked great on film last year. I'm going to need to do a video soon, breaking down his tape, hop in that fantasy film room. And then another wide receiver here that might be a gross name to some people, it's Russell Gage. And he was a streamer to me last year. I was very happy with the weeks that I was plugging him in when Julio Jones missed time uh, or I just you know, needed some deeper names in my flex. And he's kind of like a wide receiver handcuff if you take Julio Jones this year. So you know, I love Russell Gage. as just a, a deep, deep name to keep your eyes on uh, hey, later Russell on Gage. in the season. Russell Gage is a perfect example of why you listen to this show in season. <laughs> he was featured as a deep shot of the week and went for like 20 points that week. Um, so, yes, Russell Gage has a very, very safe place in my heart. And really quickly, Steph, I am going to correct you. Calvin Ridley, uh, final one, two, three, four, five, six games of the season, seven targets, five targets, eight targets, 14 targets, 10 targets, five targets. So not 14 per game, but a heck of a lot of targets there at the end of the year. Gotcha. Maybe I, I carried a, I didn't carry the one or something like that, but thank you for <laughs> correcting me. I will post whatever the real number is down below. Bottom I line. I expect you to do the same to me. I expect <laughs> you to do the same to me. Bottom line, he got a shitload of targets. Now let's talk about <laughs> Todd Gurley. Some people didn't love this signing oh, for Atlanta, man. but I I absolutely adore it. I love his fit in the Atlanta offense. Look at what the Falcons have been trying to do over the last couple of years. We had Devontae Freeman last year, 185 carries and 59 receptions. That's a lot of receiving volume for running back. Todd Gurley was great in 2017 and 2018 in the passing game. He showed that to be a key part of his skill set. With the Rams, he had 64 and 59 receptions. Uh, Both of those years before the Rams kind of switched things up in 2019. The Falcons, for a while now, have asked their backfield to be great through the air. We think back to Tevin Coleman when he was splitting carries with Freeman, and he was finishing as an RB2 in PPR leagues. So, you know, Gurley, he's shown time and time again. He is elite when it comes to scoring touchdowns. He has a 59% success rate in the red zone on the ground. This was just in 2019. But this man is just good at football. He has a nose for the end zone. He's put up double-digit touchdowns in the last three seasons. So add in the air usage, proven scoring ability. I think Gurley has RB1 upside if he stays healthy. Now, of course, the main concern with Todd Gurley is the knee. I mean, he played fine all last year. He had more attempts than Freeman did with 223. Atlanta has Gurley on a one-year deal, so they're not trying to preserve him for you know some long-term value there. He has great matchups in the first half of the season, and then things get a little bit tougher. So maybe you trade him before that swing hits if things look a little shaky. And, you know, really, I'm completely okay with taking Todd Gurley in a redraft, but just know that you're going to need to hedge a little bit. So maybe you take a, a, a running back in the next round or two, grab a Devin Singletary, a Le'Veon Bell, a Kareem Hunt, just to kind of hedge a little bit in case Gurley goes down. But I, I love him as a fit in this offense. 
Steph, yeah, I love that. And to that point, that's that's what I was going to bring up is that Gurley's on a one-year deal. The Falcons have no need to preserve that knee. And Matt Ryan's 35 years old. Julio Jones is getting older. They're going to go for a championship, and they're going to go for it right now. And Steph, I know when we really get close to redraft season, I don't want to spend too much time on it today because we might not have a clear answer, but who is the handcuff to Todd Gurley? That's one of the toughest things because we look at Minnesota and Dalvin Cook might be labeled as injury prone, but it's very clear. It's Alexander Madison. You scoop up Madison early, you get Dalvin Cook, and you're safe there. But with Gurley, is it Ito Smith? Is it Brian Hill? Is it Quadri Olison? Or is it just a timeshare and there's no real handcuff to protect you? Yeah, I don't know. This is one we're going to have to dig into a little bit. I would feel a lot better if I just had Kareem Hunt sitting on my bench. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. And, and Steph, one more guy on the Falcons that I actually think could break out this year is Hayden Hurst. The Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu midseason to the New England Patriots. I think Austin Hooper was a big beneficiary of that last season and also Calvin Ridley. But now Austin Hooper's gone. He left in free agency and went to the Cleveland Browns. And the Falcons filled that void by trading a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst. Yes, the Falcons traded a second-round pick for Hayden Hurst. Wow. And the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick. So just let that <laughs> simmer in your head for a second. But Austin Hooper, we've really seen a steady breakout over the last couple seasons. He's progressively become more and more involved in this offense. In 2017, he had 65 targets then 88 in 2018, and last season in just 13 games, he had 97 targets in this offense. No, I don't think Hayden Hurst comes in and assumes all those targets, but they like to use the tight end in the passing game, and all 97 of those targets are not going to be split up between Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So I think Hayden Hurst is a really good sleeper name in the tight end position, and if you do want to wait, you could pick him up, pick up Matt Ryan, and have a really nice quarterback tight end stack on the cheap. Yeah, I think Hurst could be a huge value this year. You know, we keep talking about streaming the tight end position in 2020, and Hayden Hurst is one of the reasons for that. The tight end landscape is expanding a little bit, it feels like. So I absolutely love Hurst. We'll see how he starts out this year. Um, and I, I think he's a guy, if, if he shows promise early, you can pull the trigger on him and, and try to trade for him. Uh, he's not one I may necessarily invest in right off the bat, uh, but Hurst certainly could have a lot of value. We've seen a lot of end zone touches and scoring from Austin Hooper over the last couple of years. So next, let's go ahead and move on to my sleeper offense to own in fantasy football. I've been hyping up this offense for a while now this offseason. It is the New York Giants. There are just too many pieces to own in this offense um, to not look their way. And it all starts with the quarterback position. Daniel Jones is a fantastic sleeper option in fantasy football this season. His upside is absolutely through the roof. People don't realize that last season, as a rookie, he was on pace. He only started 12 games, but he was on pace for 4,000 passing yards and 32 touchdowns. Ooh. That is insane. And people act like, I mean, we, we all do give him credit for the couple of big games he had, but people act like he's still mediocre. And I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand it because I love Kyler Murray as well, but like Kyler's getting all this hype and no one is talking about Daniel Jones. I feel like Drew Locke is getting talked about more than Daniel Jones, and he had a better season with a bigger sample size. And you look at 2020, he has a much better supporting cast around him. Um, new head coach Joe Judge is in town, and he's got Saquon Barkley back and healthy. He's got Evan Ingram back and healthy. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton are all back and healthy. That is an incredible core for the New York Giants. And with Daniel Jones at quarterback, I think all of those guys are elevated. 
And if they can stay healthy in 2020, I really think this Giants team, hot take incoming, could make a run at the playoffs. If you look at last season, we saw Daniel Jones perform so well as a rookie. And listen to this. Barkley missed two games. Sterling Shepard missed six games. Evan Ingram missed eight games. Golden Tate missed five games. And Darius Slayton missed two games. Literally all of their playmakers missed time. And yes, given how injury-prone those players apparently are, there is a decent chance they miss time in 2020. But if the perfect storm happens for the Giants and they can stay healthy, I really think they could make a run at the playoffs. They were 23rd in total yards per game in 2019, which isn't great by any means. But there's just so many young pieces in this offense. We know Saquon Barkley is a top two, if not top one, running back in the NFL. They improved the O-line this offseason. They drafted an offensive tackle at four overall, um, another offensive tackle in the third round, and then a guard in the fifth round. So they're really retooling that offensive line um, to protect their young quarterback. So this Giants team is going to surprise people. Barkley, as I just said, shoe in RB1. And at the receiver position, Golden Tate, um, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard are all going to have their weeks where they're in your fantasy lineup and they produce for you. Yes, they might not be quite as consistent as you know some of those wide receiver twos that we're talking about, like Calvin Ridley, but I think Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, and Sterling Shepard are all streamable guys, um, and they're all going to have pretty solid seasons. So, Steph, I'm going to kick it back over to you. Out of those three Giants receivers, I think they're all really close. Which one would you rather have for 2020? To me, it's actually, this might be a hot take to some. It's not Darius Slayton. I know he's a hot fantasy name right now. There's just, there's too much volatility with him. I need to see a little bit more. So for me, it's actually Sterling Shepard. And I'll put a a graphic on the screen right now from Dan Morrison, good friend of the show. Last year, when all three wide receivers were on the field, you got to remember Golden Tate missed four games last year at the beginning of the season. Shepard was in and out with concussion issues. And Evan Ingram was in and out too, missed a lot of the season. But when everybody was on the field, Shepard was the alpha. He was getting targeted more than those other guys on a consistent basis. So I think there's rapport they're building with Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard. Would just love to see a level of consistency, but I am willing to take that shot. I think... Shepard could finish if he's healthy, which I mean, that's a big if I feel like he could be, you know, a couple, you know, a concussion or two away from from retiring. I hope everything goes well for him from a health standpoint, for sure. Uh, But I like Shepard a lot. I I think he is the one in this offense. Just the question is, how much value does the one really mean on the Giants where there's tons of volume to go around? It kind of feels like it's going to be spread evenly. So maybe it's matchup dependent. Maybe it's not. But I would go Sterling Shepard as of right now. Wow. Yeah, that's surprising. I think I would take Darius Slayton just for some of that upside. Um, He's still young. He's still fresh. I think Daniel Jones is going to love slinging the ball down the field to him. And like you said, there is a lot of uh, volume to go around in this offense. And Daniel Jones is going to be able to provide that for all of these weapons. I mean, he was a top two fantasy quarterback last season in 33% of his starts. He started 12 games and he finished as a top two fantasy quarterback for times so we've seen the upside the question is can he string it together for most or all of a season and i'm i'm huge on daniel jones this year between now and the regular season during draft season you are going to hear me hyping him up as my (laughs) late round quarterback to target um as a high upside play and as a guy who i think is a sleeper candidate for mvp this year i'm going to keep saying it every single time Um, so this new york giants offense be sure to invest in them in 2020 I love it. I don't think Daniel Jones gets enough respect for what he's been doing on the ground either. But we'll talk a lot more about Daniel Jones over the next uh, couple of months here leading into draft season. Alex, let's transition over to some offenses that on the other side of the coin we need to avoid and stay away from in 2020. 
Yeah, I'll start out with my first one, and it's a pretty easy pick. It's the New England Patriots. And the really easy narrative here is that Tom Brady is gone, and that's true, but it runs a little bit deeper than that for me. Um, this, this offense was actually pretty dysfunctional last year with Tom Brady there. I mean, they were 23rd in yards per play in 2019. They were behind the Jaguars, the Lions, the, the Giants that we just mentioned. Ooh. The Patriots had less yards per play than these teams that people think of as being absolute garbage. Like the Lions were starting David Blau for half the season, um, and they still had more yards per play with, than the Patriots, which is insane. And something I was able to, to kind of research is that the last time that the Patriots were outside of the top 12 in yards per play was 2008. And wow. that was the year that Matt Castle had to come in because Brady tore his ACL. So the last time they were outside of the top 12 was 2008. They were 23rd in 2019 with Tom Brady. And just for reference, in 2008, Kurt Warner, Michael Turner, and Andre Johnson were all top five at their position in fantasy football. So it has been a minute since the <laughs> Patriots had that uh, tough of an offensive season. So you take that, and then you take the fact that Tom Brady is gone and they're probably going to be starting Jared Siddham this year. And you cannot convince me that the offense is going to be any better than it was last season. Um, I mean, Edelman is now 34 and he is, he's really the only reliable or semi-reliable at this point option in this offense. You would think in this offseason they would have gone out and tried to sign one of these quarterbacks. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was on the market. Um, Jameis Winston was on the market. Cam Newton is still sitting on the market. They don't do anything. Um, they don't, draft a quarterback early in the draft. Um, so you're literally sitting here with Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer in the quarterback room. And the only help they got at all this offseason on the offensive side of the ball is two tight ends in round three of the draft and Marquise Lee. Yikes. So if you're telling me this offense is going to, you know, improve or be fantasy relevant at all, I'm not buying it. You can have all the Patriots all day long. I mean, maybe there's a case for – James White or Sony Michelle to be like an RB3, a flex oh. type of option. Um, I mean, for me, like if Sony Michelle's my RB3 and I have a bye week or an injury and I have to stick him in there, I think Sony Michelle could get, you know, 15, 20 carries in a game. Maybe James White gets receiving work, but I don't think this offense is going to have a lot of touchdown upside. So even what you're looking for there is out the window. I um, mean, Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris are still there. They're going to be getting their touches too. So um, there is a lot of. Um, there are a lot of bodies in this running back room, and it's going to be really tough to compete for valuable touches in this offense. At receiver, I mentioned Edelman, but like who else is there? It's Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers. Maybe you take a late-round gamble on one of those guys and see if one of them pays off. Yeah. But I don't trust Jared Sidham enough. I don't trust Jared Sidham enough to make this offense valuable at all. So take your Patriots all day long. Um, I'm steering clear of them. I don't mind Nikhil Harry as a, a really, really deep name. Maybe if you focus on, you know, maybe you take a tight end early, you go running back early in your draft, and you're just trying to get what wide receivers are left. Why not get Nikhil Harry? He's You got to kind of erase from your mind his tape from last season, but he was one of the, <laughs> like, far and away one of the top college prospects coming yep. in. We all, I, I still love him from a dynasty perspective. I think I'm trying to get my hands on Nikhil Harry. Uh, in some places so we'll see how that goes and then Damian Harris is another one I like as a a long-term stash maybe it's one to keep your eye on maybe he's a waiver guy spend some fab on him 25% of your fab 50% if we see some something coming from that New England run game and, and one of the other guys goes down so just keep keep the names Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris in the back of your mind but yeah not not really names I'm looking forward to or, or super excited about 
in 2020. I mean, hey, Bill Belichick is still in town, so we're going to see, you know, wouldn't that be something if we saw a Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady Super Bowl this year? Like, I don't think the Patriots win more than six games this season, but, I mean, talk about another 30 for 30. That would be insane. I mean, we know they're going to have one of the best defenses too. So you add yeah. that in from like their fantasy downside. It's like, well, they're going to be stopping teams. Maybe they're just going to run out the clock for their entire offensive game plan. <laughs> we'll, well see. Hey, so I, I, I guess I missed something here. If, if we're steering clear of all Patriots, I will say if you play defenses in your league, Patriots defense is going to be the most <laughs> – I'm going to make this hot take right now. Patriots defense is the highest scoring Patriot in 2020. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, Alex, I want to give you another one here that some people are going to disagree with. You can flame me in the comments if you want, but it's the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers to me is a fantasy Whoa. trap. He is a fantasy trap. Do not draft him. Do not Sheesh. trade for him. Don't even go off that name value. Yes, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he can have those crazy weeks, but last year he had wow. 10 weeks with less than 15 fantasy points. You don't want that from your quarterback position, especially not where you're taking him. So he's too inconsistent to me to be, you know, somebody I take. He finishes the quarterback nine last year, and that's with a 43-point game that was in there at one point. So I just, I don't know. I don't like Aaron Rodgers that much, especially when now Matt LaFleur's in here, the running ball a little bit more. I would rather wait and grab a name like Matt Stafford or your boy Danny Dimes or even Big Ben hey. if I'm looking at, at quarterbacks in redraft. You know, let's talk about the backfield a little bit. I love Aaron Jones. And, and, you know, we've been trying to keep this free Aaron Jones movement going because we all think he'll be a beast, but it looks like he's not going to see that. And I think he will regress in the touchdown department after tying for the most touchdowns last year with Derrick Henry. I, I think there will be some regression, even though I do believe in Jones, especially as a scorer. But then we had Jamal Williams also in the backfield. He was a decent streamer last year. I don't think Green Bay totally gets rid of him in the passing game. And then with A.J. Dillon bring, being brought in in the second round of the draft, I think that takes some carries away. Now, I'm not going to hail Dillon as, you know, a you know taking 33% of the offensive carries, but I do think he'll take away some, especially in goal line, short yardage type of situations. Dillon's a big body guy. You think like the bus type of physicality, yes. physique from big him. Bruiser. So, yeah, an absolute bruiser that they brought in there. So... Look, you got all these things that are kind of holding Aaron Jones back. We'll see if maybe that the pendulum swings too far the other way and then Jones becomes a value because I do think he will be solid. Um, but still, he's going to he's down on my board, especially compared to last year. And then we have in the receiving game, Devontae Adams. He's probably their one bright spot. I, I love Adams in 2020. I'll talk about him for a second. He had 10 and a half targets a game. Seven receptions, 83 yards, and 17.7 fantasy points. That was on pace for the wide receiver two last year. So he'll be a beast. I have no worries about him. And then at wide receiver two, that's where the game, the names kind of get gross again. So we have Geronimo Allison last year. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling was a name that people had on the radar last year. Those guys all ended at wide receiver Yikes. 80, wide receiver 60. Then Alan Lazard too. So just don't waste the draft pick on any of these names. It's going to be a wide receiver carousel this year. Don't look at Devin Funches as some crazy streamer that you think you found value in because Matt LaFleur is going to put his run first scheme. And he showed you that with his running back selection in the draft. Every staff that LaFleur has been a part of, their offenses have been in the top nine in rushing attempts. 
Last year, we laughed at, at how the Packers were the worst 13-3 and team of all time. And looking back on it, I think I'm actually starting to agree with that statement. We'll see if, if they can do it again. But I'm really down on the Packers offense in 2020 from a fantasy perspective. Steph, I want to hit you with some Packers offense rapid-fire questions. First one, Lazard or Devin Funches this year? Who has more points? Oh, man. I'll take my boy Lazard. <laughs> the Lazard king. So that's one that doesn't matter. But some of these might. So let's hop into this. Do we see Jordan Love play in 2020? No. no. Do we see Jordan Love start a game in 2020? Start a game? No. No chance. Uh, more fantasy points in the backfield. Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon? Half PPR. Oh, that's so tough. I Just for the passing work, I'm going to say Williams. But it's close. <laughs> Outside of Michael Thomas, are there any other receivers you're taking ahead of Devontae Adams in 2020? The only one that I would look at would be Julio Jones. Maybe, maybe if you're super high in him, you look at like a, a Chris Godwin, a DeAndre Hopkins, a Tyreek Hill. But honestly, Adams is probably going to end up on my board as a wide receiver too going into drafts. Does Aaron Rodgers finish as a top 12 quarterback this season? I think he'll finish right at 12, 13 range. I'll, I'll go the other way. I'll say no. Hey, and then last one, um, Aaron Jones. I'm going to name off a couple of guys here. Aaron Jones or Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb. Far and away, Nick Chubb. Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon? I'll go Joe Mixon. Aaron Jones or Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs. I love Jacobs this year. Dang, Aaron Jones or Kenyon Drake? Dude, give me Kenyon Drake. I don't know. I don't know where Jones is gonna be. I'm. I'm probably sounding like I'm totally bashing the guy, but to me, I'm taking all of those names. I mean, these are all pretty PPR. good names. These are all pretty good names. We'll go a little deeper here. Aaron Jones or Mark Ingram? Give me Aaron Jones. There we go. <laughs> Finally found that cutoff point. We went pretty deep there, Steph. But yeah, that's that's good perspective. I mean, based on all those answers, like outside of Devontae Adams, not a whole lot here. And I'm with you. I think this Packers offense is overhyped. I mean, this this Aaron Rodgers hype has been going for years um, since the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb days. And like, it's just not quite there anymore. They do have Adams, who's an elite talent. We saw what they did this offseason, though. Instead of drafting Rodgers any kind of weapons, they went out and drafted A, his replacement, and then B, in the second round, they draft a running back when they already have two really serviceable running backs. So for me, like this Packers team is a mystery. I don't know. I don't know what their offseason was all about. Maybe five years from now, Jordan Love is going to be a pro bowler and it's all going to make sense. Uh, but I'm with you, Steph. I think this Packers offense will be good. They will have good games in 2020. We're not saying they're not going to be um, startable at any point, but we're saying they are going to be overhyped. And I could not agree with you more. So next, I'm going to move into my uh, hot take for a fantasy football team I do not want to invest in in 2020. This is a bit of a sleeper pick. They were hot last season. Um, they were the talk of the town. It's the Tennessee Titans. I am wow. just not on board. I mean, you look at this team, and I think they had some absolutely ridiculous numbers last season that cannot be sustained from an efficiency standpoint, uh, from just a game planning standpoint. Like, I don't know if you can keep giving Derrick Henry the ball 30 times. Maybe they can. Uh, but I look at this team, and I will say, first things first, before you Titans um, fans and you Henry fans come flaming us in the comments like Derrick Henry's a stud he's going to be a top eight running back this season he's got top three upside I'll throw that out there right off the bat I'd be hyped to be a Henry owner in redraft he is going to be absolutely fed in this offense he's a lock just about for double digit touchdowns and a thousand yards so Henry's great I'm not taking anything away from him outside of that though 
I don't think I'm owning a single Tennessee Titan this season. I look at Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith. I mean, maybe Jonu Smith because he's still a bit of a sleeper and the value hasn't really um, been overpriced yet. But I look at these guys and I'm just not interested. I mean, Ryan Tannehill last season literally had the fourth highest single season passer rating of all time. Of all time. And Ryan Tannehill is like borderline top 16 quarterback in the NFL. So I, <laughs> I just can't imagine him having that efficient of a season again. And the only reason that Tannehill, like, you know, Steph, last season I was throwing out Tannehill as my start of the week. Every single week I had a back-to-back Ryan Tannehill thrill. Like I was riding the train. Yeah. The Titans were hot. I just don't know if that's going to continue. It's so hard to keep that momentum going through an entire offseason with different pieces on offense, different pieces on defense, different faces, different names in the division, different coaches. I just cannot imagine Ryan Tannehill posting that kind of efficiency. I think he's going to be fine. I think there will be weeks where you can stream Ryan Tannehill, but I'm just not in. He was first in the NFL in yards per attempt by a full yard. He was eighth all time in single season yards per attempt last year. And there's just no way this is sustainable from 30-something-year-old Ryan Tannehill. So I think Tannehill, people are going to draft him to be their starter. He's going to have a couple of down weeks early on where he's just not getting the volume and he doesn't happen to throw for touchdowns, and people are going to be out on him. And then that's when I'm going to scoop in on the waiver wire, pick him up against a bad defense and throw him in there and get 30 points. I'm telling you, it's going to happen right now. Um, And then the other other hotness in this offense is A.J. Brown. And – I have A.J. Brown as a low-end wide receiver two or a high-end wide receiver three. He's another guy that I just don't know that the playmaking is sustainable. He is a beast. A.J. Brown is an incredible football player, an incredible athlete, but so many of his games last season were literally predicated on one breakaway touchdown. And yes, he's having those breakaway touchdowns because he's a beast. It's just so hard for me to invest in a fantasy player that is one play away from having five points. And I look at A.J. Brown. He was second in the NFL in yards per catch. He had nine total touchdowns last season. I expect regression in both categories in 2020. Um, and I just look at this offense. It's such a low-volume offense. In 2019, they were 30th in the NFL in plays per game, only 58 plays per game. In another area for regression for the Titans, they were first in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage. They scored 77%. Wow. Um, of the time, 77% of the time they were in the red zone, they scored a touchdown. Uh, just for reference, the Chiefs scored a touchdown 60% of the time in the red zone, and the Titans were at 77%. So, I, I mean, Derrick Henry's great. He's great inside the five. He's great inside, um, you know, the 20 in that red zone scoring those touchdowns. Tannehill is really efficient in there. But there's just no way. There's just no freaking way that they are maintaining that next season and the thing that really stands out to me the cherry on top is that playoff stretch i am scarred from that playoff stretch um Tannehill, here's his playoff games against new england and a win eight for 15 72 yards one touchdown one interception that is garbage against baltimore seven for 14 88 yards seven two touchdowns, no interception seven <laughs> Se- seven eight com- completions eight completions and seven completions and, and two playoff wins and then against kansas city in a you know against a high flying offense they have to put up points he's 21 for 31 209 yards and two touchdowns and i mean that's around 16 fantasy points by no means does that kill you but like if you start a quarterback that gets you 16 fantasy points, you're like, okay, that's fine, but you're not really thrilled about it. And then I look at A.J. Brown, same run against New England, one reception for four yards. 
Oof. against Baltimore. One reception for nine yards. End of sentence. <laughs> and then against Kansas City, uh, against Kansas City, three receptions for 51 yards. And I just can't have these guys putting up those kind of performances three weeks in a row in the regular season. It's something that's going to happen. Um, and I, I just can't touch him. I'm I'm fine with Derrick Henry. I'm fine to maybe stream Ryan Tannehill when everyone else gives up on him. And I'll take a flyer on Johnny Smith if the value's there. But Tannehill and Brown especially are getting overhyped, and there's no one else um, in that receiver core that I want to even get close to in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you on Tannehill. I mean, I look at the names there. I feel like, you know, if we just go for upside, you, you kind of foreshadowed it. But, like, the other names there I think are just as fun. Look at Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Big Ben. Uh, even if we want to go deeper, I mean, look at Joe Burrow, Phillip Rivers, Drew Locke. Like, I will take all those names over Tannehill uh, if I'm investing in a quarterback in a redraft draft. So I'm with you 100% on those Titans. So we talked about a couple different offenses, good and bad. But another segment I want to get into is way too early offensive rookie of the year predictions. Let's go. So you can go on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now and see all the odds. I'll have some of them going in the ticker at the bottom of the screen here for offensive rookie of the year betting odds. Alex, I'll have you go first with this one. Give me a give me a heavy favorite. Give me a chalk <laughs> pick and build up the narrative for me. Here's the thing, Steph. We were going through this exercise, and it was like, let's get our pick and then get a sleeper. Just, I mean, a little behind-the-scenes action for everybody. That's what <laughs> we did. And I'm like, I literally penciled in Joe Burrow as, as, like, how could I not pick Joe Burrow as the chalk pick for Rookie of the Year? Number one overall pick. He's a quarterback. He's talented. He's got weapons in Cincinnati. So, naturally, I decided not to pick Joe Burrow. <laughs> and I went with my boy, Jonathan Taylor, yes, it's a bit of a homer pick. I am a Colts fan, but Jonathan Taylor has the ability to be the rookie of the year this season. And let me tell you why. First of all, Taylor is an incredibly talented player. And I, I truly think he has the build to be a workhorse in the NFL. He can score on the goal line. He had 26 touchdowns in his last year uh, in college. He has 4.39 speed and he can catch the ball decent i'm not going to say he's elite at catching the ball but he can definitely get it done um so he has the makeup of what can be a workhorse back in the nfl and that's exactly what you want for upside in fantasy and if you look at this rookie of the year race jonathan taylor could get a lot of touches on the ground and a lot of work through the air the colts first things first set up taylor in a great situation um, they were seventh in the nfl in rush yards per game last season fifth in rushing attempts. There's going to be plenty of rushing volume to go around, even with Marlon Mack there. And the Colts have an elite offensive line. Um, they were able to retain that offensive line this offseason with Costanzo coming back and not retiring. Quentin Nelson is there um, at the guard position. So, uh, And Ryan Kelly at center. He's a really good player as well. So this offensive line is elite, and Jonathan Taylor is going to have an incredible time this season running behind that line. And I look at this offense last season. I know the big... Um, counter-argument for Jonathan Taylor, at least in his rookie year, is Marlon Mack. And last season, Marlon Mack had 247 carries. Um, all other Colts running backs combined for 152 carries. So there is a ton of volume to go around in this offense. And I actually think as a rookie starting out in a timeshare, Jonathan Taylor is going to get more than 200 carries in this offense. And I think over 200 carries could be more than enough for Jonathan Taylor to push 1,000 yards. Um, so I have him projected somewhere around 50 targets as well. And I, 
I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a big play guy. He's got that 439 speed. So if Jonathan Taylor is able to take that speed and break some big plays this season, I think it's fairly realistic that Jonathan Taylor could end up with somewhere around 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground, which to wow. me puts him right in that conversation for um, offensive rookie of the year. It's going to take a lot for him to get there. But I think even with Marlon Mack there, if Jonathan Taylor can get the work, he has the talent to get it done. He has the touchdown upside and a really good offense, and he has the big playability as well. So to me, there's no better candidate than Jonathan Taylor. I, I mean, especially if you're looking past some of those quarterbacks and you want some deeper guys, Taylor is the name. And, and listen, if anything happens to Marlon Mack in this offense, Taylor is going to take off like a rocket ship. If anything yes. happens to Marlon Mack, oh my gosh, it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor show. Everyone is going to wish they had him in their lineup. And let me tell you, Marlon Mack has missed at least two games in each of his three NFL seasons. So if those if those stats tell us anything, there will be a couple weeks where Jonathan Taylor has this backfield to himself. Uh, maybe he's sharing with Naheem Hines if we count him. But my goodness, I think Jonathan Taylor has an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly large upside um, this season as a rookie. I, I remember when Offense Rookie of the Year came out, like when they announced it and, and Kyler Murray won it in 2019, a lot of people were saying Josh Jacobs got snubbed. Like he, he was right up there in the discussion. Yep. And you look at his stat line, it's kind of like what you had for Taylor. We have 242 rushes for 1,150 yards, seven touchdowns, 4.8 yards per attempt. And then he had 20 receptions as well. So, I mean, you look at the stat line, it's like that that gets you pretty close. So I, I like the Jonathan Taylor pick a lot. I see him as a Ezekiel Elliott comp. And I already talked about at the beginning of the show how much we love Zeke. So I, I'm with you there on Jonathan Taylor. I think he'll be great. Uh, right now, FanDuel odds have him at, let's see here, fifth overall at plus 950. So not a bad bet if you want to take the, the flyer Damn. on Taylor. Certainly, I, I think you can see it. Not a bad return there, Steph. Now let's talk about the other running back for my chalk rookie of the year pick. He's second in the running. So you talked about Joe Burrow. I don't. I don't. I think we're gonna have a whole segment on Joe Burrow specifically later on, uh, on another show here. But my pick is it's a fantasy my guy too. You, you gotta expect this from me. He's second in the odds, like I said, plus eight hundred for. Offensive Rookie of the Year, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, who's taken at the 32nd overall pick in this draft, only running back taken in the first round. And for me, I think CEH starts out in a 1A, 1B situation, then slowly becomes a full one by the end of the year. And if you believe that you know it, he's going to be productive, like if you think he's going to be good, then I don't see why Andy Reid and the Kansas City coaching staff don't just see that and give him all the volume. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you have an indictment on, on Clyde Edwards-Alaire's volume, I think that's an indictment on him as a player. And based on his college tape, the fact he was taken in the first round, all signs point to him being great and used a ton in this offense. Listen to the, the, the first round running back average stat line over the last seven years. It's 213 carries, 37 receptions, and a finishing as a fantasy RB2. So I got to think... CEH is going to be higher in every single one of those categories. And running backs taken in the first round have a 55.6% chance of being a top 12 running back. So wow. I love it. I mean, dude, if you're telling me there's a 56% chance that CEH is an RB1 this year, I will gladly take that. And, and those odds for fantasy and those stats are going to lead to an offensive rookie of the year line that, that you just can't surpass. Now, I know there's Damian Williams truthers out there. 
I just don't see the Chiefs giving the ball to Williams if CEH is running at 4.6 yards per carry or better. I have met 200 carries right now, and it might increase even more as we get closer to the season. Alaire's going to get goal line and passing work. We know there's going to be plenty to go around in both aspects. There's always been value in the Kansas City backfield over the last you know, call it five years, they've always had an RB1, at least an RB2, certainly an RB1 when they play all 16 games. And Damian Williams has never really been a workhorse. I don't think the plan for him was ever to be that workhorse role. Last season was his best season in almost every metric, and he dealt with injury, missed five games. He was more of a, a complimentary piece in the Chiefs offense. And they want to have him healthy for the playoffs. We saw a great playoff run that Williams had. Can't take anything away from him there, but yeah, I think you'll get a lot of passing work, but I don't think he's going to get many of those carries when we have CEH breaking them off to the house on first down and, and scoring every time they give it to him in the red zone. So right now I have him on the cusp of RB1 in fantasy. He's going to be a statistical darling and an easy shoe-in just based off of offensive production in 2020. I have CEH as a shoe-in for Offensive Rookie of the Year if it's not Joe Wow. Brown. Wow. Steph, bring in the hot takes. And look, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have a really good season. And, and something I want to call out is, like, if you were in on Miles Sanders last year from a fantasy perspective and just believed in Miles Sanders' talent, you have to be in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm telling you that right now. Because when you look at the situation, it's actually very, very similar. Both running backs brought in with a decent amount of draft capital – there are veterans already there. Both offenses are good. But when you look at Miles Sanders compared to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, literally every single thing that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has compared to Miles Sanders is better. One, the draft capital is higher. Sanders was a second-round pick, uh, mid to late second round. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went in the first round. Two, you look at the veteran that was there. For Miles Sanders last year, it was Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard's way better than uh, Damian Williams is. So Damian Williams is there. He is not going to be a problem for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. Three, you look at the offense. Um, Kansas City, I mean, I don't even need to talk about this. Kansas City is way better than <laughs> Philly um, from an offensive perspective. They also love to feature the running back in the passing game. And the only the only other thing is the skill set. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, like, you know, it's splitting hairs. And we've had a year of NFL experience from Miles Sanders, so that might skew our opinion a little bit. But when they were coming out of college, like the hype train from scouts on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire feels a lot stronger than it was from Miles Sanders last season. And they actually have a very similar skill set, both very strong on the ground, can get it done on the goal line, great in the receiving game um, as well. So if you were in on Sanders it. last year, you have to be in on Hilaire this year. Yes, you might have to spend up a little bit more for him in drafts, but we really didn't see Sanders get going um, as a consistent startable fantasy asset until about midway through the season last year. I think it's much, much quicker for CEH in 2020. So for my next Rookie of the Year um, pick, this one is even more of a sleeper pick. And it is actually a wide receiver who we don't see win Rookie of the Year as often as we do running backs and quarterbacks. It's C.D. Lamb for the Dallas nice. Cowboys. We talked about him a little bit earlier on the show. And I just believe in this guy's talent. I mean, he to me, he was the number one wide receiver in this class. He ends up going behind Jerry Judy and behind Henry Ruggs and falls to who else but the Dallas Cowboys. It had to work out like this. Old Jerry had to get his way. And like we mentioned earlier in the show, I'll say it again, this Cowboys offense is going to be one of, if not the highest volume offenses, especially passing offenses. Um, I guess rushing too with Zeke in 2020. 
Um, and even though Lamb does slide in alongside Amari Cooper, alongside Michael Gallup, there is plenty of volume to go around. I know there's the narrative out there. Um, you know, Jason Witten leaves 83 targets behind. Randall Cobb leaves 83 targets behind. So that's 166 total targets right there. And that is like plenty of targets and more um, for C.D. Lamb to be effective in this offense. No, I'm not saying all 166 of those targets are going to C.D. Lamb. A lot of those are probably going to go to Blake Jarwin. Some of those are probably going to be split up between Gallup and Cooper. But there is plenty of opportunity for C.D. Lamb to be involved early and often in this offense. I think he has the potential to be a top five wide receiver in this league. He has kind of like that do-it-all alpha receiver um, type of build and type of skill set. So for me... He has everything he needs to make a rookie of the year case. He has a good quarterback. He has the talent and he has the opportunity in a good offense. And I do think he's going to be very fantasy relevant this season as it is. And look, if, if Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup miss any time due to injury or even a long period of time, I think CD lamb is immediately a top 20 wide receiver and maybe even higher. So to me, I think as is CD lamb is really going to come out and impress I'm really, really excited to see what this Dallas Cowboys offense is able to do with him, um, likely running a lot in the slot. And then, you know, if one of those guys in front of him goes out and that target volume opens up, Dak is going to be looking his way a lot this season. So CeeDee Lamb, I know it's a bit of a sleeper pick, um, but I think he could make a really, really strong case for rookie of the year. I think that's a, a great take there. And, you know, we could see Lamb, like, just take over as the one. Like, honestly, it's not outside of the range of outcomes that he just shows that he is better than Gallup. Yep. And, you know, maybe Dak and him have some kind of magic. I don't know, but I, I love it. And FanDuel has CD Lamb at seventh overall in Offensive Rookie of the Year odds with plus 1,500. So you got some, uh, you know, you got some money lying around from the uh, the stimulus check you got from COVID. Why not throw a couple down <laughs> on CD Lamb? So we'll see. I, I have another sleeper here, another wide receiver. So we're both going you know, against the grain here with our wide receiver picks. You almost never see that. But I have Justin Jefferson as my sleeper pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sheesh, that's I deep. It, he, it is a bit of a deeper name when we're looking at Offensive Rookie of the Year, but he'll be relied upon in this offense, and I got to think yep. he's up to the task. You know, Even though he played a lot uh, uh, of time in the slot in college, you know, he can do it all. He, he's not the Stephon Diggs type of replacement. He's not the same kind of comp to me. You think more of like a Tyler Boyd or a Reggie Wayne back in the day as your Justin Jefferson comp. So he has the 4-4-3 speed. He has great hands. You know, like any rookie, he's going to struggle at times against press coverage, especially when they're going up against some of the best corners in the league. But I don't think Jefferson's going to be asked to do that on every play. And just with how much the, the Vikings set up play action, I think that's going to open up a lot for Jefferson. And plus, I think the, the press coverage is something that he can improve on as time goes on. So when we look at the scouting reports for Jefferson, everyone that I've seen doesn't say he have, has any red flags from an evaluation standpoint, which, which I was very excited to see for him. The run game, yes, it will limit his, his statistical upside, but the efficiency in that play action game, the touchdown opportunity that Justin Jefferson's going to have. And we saw... You know, the Vikings offense get hot at different times last season. And when they are hot, they are almost impossible to stop. They won a lot of games last year. They upset the Saints in the wild card round. And if Adam Thielen goes down, you know, he missed a lot of time last year with that hamstring injury. We know hamstring injuries are the ones that, you know, creep back up time and time again are pretty easy to re-aggravate. If Adam Thielen goes down, 
Justin Jefferson will be the guy in this receiving core. And not only that, he's a great run blocker. He loves to make physical plays, you know, things that don't show up in the stat line. I, I think you can make a case for J.J. as the Offensive Rookie of the Year. He has the championship pedigree from college as well. If you take a stab at a wide receiver, why not make it one that has a chance to put up the team on his back and make a playoff run in 2020? Look, we're, we're looking at long shots here. And out of all these rookie wide receivers, we talked about it. Justin Jefferson has one of the best opportunities to slide in as an immediate impact wide receiver, too. Um, this offense is going to have targets to go around. We know Stephon Diggs and his targets are gone. I believe he had 94 targets last season. Um, spot check me on that one. But I look at this offense and last year, look, Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 444 times. Two seasons ago, he threw the ball 606 times. So those are his two seasons in Minnesota. No, I'm not saying he's getting back to 600 um, attempts, but 444 last season is incredibly low. So you have to think he's going to get close, if not above 500 targets. Um, so I think Justin Jefferson assumes that Stephon Diggs role, and I think he even gets a little bit more volume on top of that in 2020. So look. I think he's a great compliment to Adam Thielen. I could definitely see him stretching the field and getting some long touchdowns in 2020. And if he builds that connection with Kirk Cousins, I think he's got a case. Justin Jefferson is a, a player that I really, really think could go for over 1,000 yards um, as a rookie. Of all the guys in this rookie class, I mean, I'd probably take CeeDee Lamb as my number one choice there. But if there's another one that I had to bet on to go for over 1,000 yards, it would be Justin Jefferson. When we look at the, the odds per FanDuel Sportsbook, we had Justin Jefferson at 15th in the Offensive Rookie of the Year odds at plus 2,800. So if you want to take the flyer on it, if you thought my case was decent enough, you know, why don't you throw a couple of bucks down on him? But that is my last pick for a sleeper at Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm extremely excited for this, for this class. I think this is one of the best classes. I know everybody says this. Yes, there's the recency bias, whatever, but... Honestly, like this feels like one of the most exciting years uh, for rookies in the NFL, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, and we look at offensive line and defense. It's just going to be a fun season. And then we have the shortened training camps, and maybe that'll affect things and, and maybe even make it a wonky type of year, um, you know, to see who, who shines and who doesn't. But, Alex, anything to add here before we sign off? Steph, one thing I want to ask you, and I know this wasn't in our notes. I kind of want to put you on the spot here. Of all skill position players in the first round, so think of our quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. I don't think there were any tight ends in the first round this year. No. Which one do you think is the most likely to bust? If I had to look for a bust, I mean, this is this is honestly a pretty easy one you're giving me. And even though I like him, I, I could admit that it's a hot take. It would be Henry Ruggs for me. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a case there. <laughs> the... The Raiders, you know, I, just, I can't get over, like, the Darius Hayward Bay comp. I mean, a speedster who was not the consensus um, number one wide receiver coming in, and the Raiders just shock everyone and take someone else. I, I wish the best for Ruggs, and I think there's a world where he's very, very, very elite in the NFL. But it's like, it's that that balance of, is he going to be Tyree Killer? Is he going to be Darius Hayward Bay? Um, and the most likely outcome, you know, where is he going to lie in between those two players? So for me... Um, I'd have to say Justin Herbert. I, I hope Justin Herbert is good for the sake of like Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler. Um, I just don't know that I'm I'm feeling it with Herbert. I would love to see him get some playing time this year uh, and see what he can do. But but for me, it's got to be Justin Herbert. So that's kind of the flip side of these rookie of the year picks. I just wanted to throw that out there um, before we sign off. And Steph, I'll pass it back over to you. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. 
Follow us on Twitter. We Again, guys, we are on there every day posting polls, interacting with you guys, throwing hot stats out there that you need to know to win a fantasy championship in 2020. Hit us up with all your questions. Hit us up on Instagram as well. We're dropping hot graphics on there. And last but not least, if you guys want to support the show, like and subscribe on YouTube. We really appreciate that. That helps us a ton. And we'll see you next time. Let's go. Football is almost back, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it.